Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. Hello, America, and happy Sunday. Welcome to the Sunday Brunch edition of John Solomon Reports. We've got a great, great show for you today. We're going to kick off with Congressman Brian Stile of Wisconsin. He's the chairman of the House Administration Committee. He wants to punish in a much stronger way Congressman Jamal Bowman for pulling that fire alarm and disrupting or attempting to disrupt a congressional proceeding a couple weeks ago. Bowman just pled guilty, but the story Bowman told the American people was not true. He lied to us. And Chairman Stile has a suggestion about what should happen next. That's going to kick off our show today. Then we'll go down to the border with Chad Wolf, former Homeland Security Secretary. He's got some grave concerns, much like we heard on Friday from Kevin Brock of the FBI. Grave concerns about the type of people suddenly crossing the border in large numbers. He's going to describe that. Then we'll go to Art Del Cueto. Art Del Cueto, the number two at the Border Patrol Agents Union. He's going to give us some further insights into what's going on at the border and why the people crossing are raising a red flag and the pattern and type of people coming across. Very much similar to what Kevin Brock warned us on Friday, but from a very different perspective, this time from the Border Patrol agent's perspective. Waleed Ferris, one of the great national security experts in the country, he'll kick in in the fourth block. He's got a lot to say. And then we'll finish up with Tristan Levitt, the founder of the Empower Oversight Whistleblower Center. He represents those IRS whistleblowers, some of the more famous FBI whistleblowers. He's got some juice to tell us, some important new information we're going to break on this Sunday brunch edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just to Do. So sit back. We'll do a quick commercial break. When we come back, Chairman Brian Stile of the House Administration Committee, he's got some pretty big explosive news he'll break right here, right after these messages. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.us slash justnews. That's AMAC.us forward slash 
Just News. Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. He is Wisconsin Congressman Brian Stile, and he rejoins us. Congressman, great to have you on the show, sir. Thanks for having me on. We now have video footage. We now have a, a guilty plea. We now have a fine and an apology. But do you really feel like we have the real story about Jamal Bowman yet? Well, it's pretty clear Jamal Bowman wasn't telling the truth when he issued his first excuse that he did this by accident. Uh, and the video proves that. Uh, he walks up to the door. He pushes the door, knocks down a few signs, turns to his left, pulls the fire alarm, never looks back at the door. He just continues on and walks out. He ultimately will pass multiple police officers without notifying them of what took place. It's the reason that I've called on the Ethics Committee uh, to further investigate this. He received uh, a, a municipal citation at the D.C. level, not a federal charge. But I think there's a lot of questions to be answered, in particular by the House Ethics Committee, in particular whether or not he was acting to delay a floor procedure. Uh, it sure looks like he was. Why was he doing that? What was his intent? Sure looks like he was trying to slow down the action on the floor at a moment in time when the Democrats were delaying a vote on the floor to try to allow Democratic -led, the Democratic-led Senate to get their legislation done before the House, uh, I think ultimately a further investigation is warranted. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Mr. Chairman, I have to ask about the, the penalty. I mean, a $1,000 fine. I, I personally know people in high school who got stiffer penalties for doing the same crime when we were in high school and they weren't prepared for a test. But I have to wonder, you know, this almost seems like a microcosm of what we have been talking about. It seems like it's practically been the theme of this show, which is a dual uh, tiered system of justice. Obviously, this is Congress. This is the legislative branch. But do you think if Democrats were in the majority and it was a Republican who pulled the fire alarm, if there would be the same treatment? You know, it raises a whole host of questions, just as you said. I mean, one, Jamal Bowman was a principal at a school. At every school that I've ever attended, you have fire alarm drills. And so he knows exactly what happens when you pull a fire alarm. It was clearly not an accident or a technique to open up a door. Um, the other is, is the Washington, D.C. attorney general that moved forward these charges. The federal prosecutors chose not to move forward with any charges. And I think it's pretty evident um, that Democrats are soft on crime. And so the Democrat decision not to charge uh, Jamal Bowman with a more serious crime, I think, is indicative of what we're seeing play out across the country. Blue cities refusing to enforce the law in rising crime in those blue cities, Washington, D.C., Chicago, other cities across the country are suffering under Democratic policies. Yeah, no doubt about it. So you were kind enough to host us out in Wisconsin for the Republican convention. We had a great interview, I think, at a, a restaurant in Waukesha. When we were out there, everybody was talking about the economy. Uh, I know the numbers sounded good today when the uh, finance or the uh, the monthly growth reports came out, but it seems like everyday Americans do not feel good at all. Is this a pocketbook election we're about to head into? Well, when you talk to everybody across the country, as we did in Waukesha and Kenosha or Janesville, my hometown, what you see is immediately people aren't able to keep up with rising costs. And over the time of President Biden's term in office, costs have outpaced 
the people's wages. And as that's the case, it's harder and harder for families to afford the things that they need. The average and median home for someone to get into a new home has skyrocketed. Grocery prices remain high. The Biden administration's war on energy has made gas costs, home heating costs continue to increase. And so I think people should hold the Biden administration accountable for their disastrous economic policies. And I think ultimately, as we look out one year from now, the American people will hold Biden accountable for failing to move this country forward economically. Yeah. Sir, I wanted to, to dig in on some of the numbers because I know one thing that you tweeted about was the price of a mortgage and that figure of $1,200 and how that's been doubled under President Biden. But we also had on uh, Budget Committee member Josh Burkeen on the show, and he talked about how Americans, a family of four on average, is spending $1,200 more per month for the same goods and services prior to the Biden administration. Americans are getting absolutely pounded by this. And you've got this figure of GDP growth, but there's a new trend in the Biden administration of revising downward. Do you think that's gonna happen again? Well, the, the Democrats are gonna have to try to reset people's expectations. They love to redefine words and change, move the goalposts along the way. But I think your stat is exactly spot on to the broader problem. Costs are going up and people are paying more for the exact same stuff that they were paying for simply two and a half years ago. Wages haven't kept up with that. And so your average family of four or any American family is looking at their budget and trying to figure out what's going on. What's going on is actually shockingly straightforward. It's the inflationary environment that President Biden has put us under. It's the reckless spending in Washington. It's the war on energy that the Biden administration has conducted since the first day in office when President Biden killed the Keystone XL pipeline. It's they're paying people not to work after the pandemic ended. And so we continue to see failed economic policies coming out of the Biden administration that are moving the American the American public further and further behind. And the frustration you see building up is a direct result of the fact that people are struggling to get by with President Biden in office. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah there's no doubt. Uh, we're day two of the Speaker Johnson era of the House. And I want to get your take on what you think the most important priorities will be for the Republican Congress. Speaker Johnson put out, I think, a lot of great ideas yesterday, border economy, inflation and accountability, and of course, shrinking the debt and the spending. What do you think will be the top successes that you'll be bragging about a few weeks from now as this uh, train gets rolling? Speaker Johnson's a principled conservative. He may not have been a household name to everyone across the country last week, but he's well known here to those of us uh, who work with him day in and day out. I think his initial speech as he took the speaker's gavel and set forward his agenda to move forward on our spending bills, to control spending, but also to highlight conservative policies, things like securing the US-Mexico border. He also sp spoke about a broader debt commission to say we need to have a broader conversation, not just on discretionary spending, the 12.5% of money we spend a lot of time on, appropriate to spend time, but also on the 75% of the federal budget that's on autopilot every year, a willingness to have that adult conversation with the American public is essential. He's willing to do it. He's a strong, principled conservative. And I think we have a big opportunity here to get our spending under control, inflation down, secure the border. And then also, while we're doing that, examine our foreign policy, speak from a position of strength, and in particular, stand with our ally Israel. Yeah. Yeah. If, and if y'all can accomplish all those things, I think that will be a victory lap. But I, <laughs> I think about a quote that my dad told me once about boats. The first day that you buy your boat or the, the best day of your life is the day you buy your boat. The second best day of your life is the day that you sell the boat. And I feel like the best day of his life is the day that he gets the speakership. Maybe the second best day of his life will be the day that he leaves the speakership because it's a tough job. What are going to be some of the toughest decisions for him? We've only got about 45 seconds. Yeah, he's got an incredibly tough job. The position of Speaker of the House is probably one of the most difficult political positions in the entire world. Pulling everyone together and unifying the conference is something that I think he can do, but that's also going to be the challenge. He is a thoughtful, principled conservative. That's what we need. And I think that will give him the opportunity to pull us together. If we're successful at staying together, then we can actually challenge the Biden administration and successfully address the spending, the border and stand with our allies. Folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, Chad Wolf, former Homeland Security Secretary, up next right after these messages. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. 
Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add Lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a health care provider. Welcome back, America. In just a, under a month, there'll be an extraordinary event down in Mar-a-Lago. The America First Policy Institute is going to have a gala with Trump cabinet members. Some lucky Americans are going to get to spend a day hanging out with cabinet secretaries. How about that? That's pretty amazing. Well, we're going to spend a little bit of time hanging out with a former cabinet secretary right now. Uh, the former acting uh, Homeland Security Secretary Chad Wolf is joining us right now. Chad, great to have you on the show again, sir. Well, good to have me. Good to see you guys. First, I want to talk about what's on everyone's mind here in Washington. Anyone you talk to in the security establishment the last week or two has been very concerned about Hamas-style attacks occurring on U.S. soil. Can you give us your thoughts about how real that threat is? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think anytime there's an overseas conflict like we have right now, you've got to secure the homeland and you need to make sure that any of your vulnerabilities, you go what we call shields up. And unfortunately for this administration over the last 30 months or so, the security along that southern border has been anything but great. <laughs> and so yeah. we see continued uh, individuals crossing that border that are from uh, places of concern like Lebanon, like Iran. Uh, in other countries in that region. And so when you look at the conflict uh, and you see that they want to kill um, Jewish individuals in the state of Israel, Hamas, Hezbollah, they want to kill Americans here at home as well. And so we need to we need to understand that threat and we need to do everything we can to protect American communities. And unfortunately, along that southern border, because the overwhelming number of folks coming across that border, I think we are less secure today than we have been since 9-11. Well, and Mr. Secretary, another concern I have, if that should happen, is, you know, Prime Minister Netanyahu has has made it very, very clear that Israel is ready if, if they need to proceed to a much uh, a much more aggressive degree. Um, as far as what the United States is ready for, I mean, I, I hate to put the obvious on blast, but militarily, are we even ready? Because under the likes of folks like like Mark Milley, we've seen the wokeification of our military. Recruitment is down at record low levels. And I am very concerned that if the U.S. gets drawn in on, on a more tactical level, that we're not prepared. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, I have great confidence in our, in our fighting men and women. Uh, but like you, I've seen over the last two and a half uh, years or more what they've done to the U.S. military and degrading um, physical standards, uh, going woke in their teachings there in the Pentagon and elsewhere. And that, got, that gives me great concern. But look, at the end of the day, when we need our men and women to step up uh, and fight uh, and win, uh, then I hope that we're in a place to do that. We certainly were under the Trump administration. Um, so look, I've got great confidence, although 
Uh, like you, Amanda, I, I, I do have some concerns on what I've seen over the last two and a half years from this administration. Yeah, sir, there's been a lot of talk in uh, Washington about two types of entrants that have been encountered at the border. One of those on the terrorist watch list, 736 this year, all-time record, obliterates all the records known in American history. And then special interest aliens now starting to uh, pour in in larger numbers, places like China, Russia. Um, can you tell us a little bit why those numbers are so worrisome to experts who worry about the security border? Sure, absolutely. There's two numbers that I look at, what we call known or suspected terrorists. So these are individuals that are actually on uh, U.S. government watch lists. We know that they are actually active terrorists uh, and have associations. And under the Biden administration, they're at about 270, 269 that they have caught over the last uh, two and a half years. And you compare that with all four years of the Trump administration, that was about 16 for all four years. You look at special interest aliens, about 70,000 that they've apprehended over the last two and a half years. These are, these are individuals that come from countries of concern, state sponsors of terrorism and the like. And they use travel patterns that are very suspicious to those of known terrorists that use travel patterns. So for instance, if you're going from the Middle East, you fly into Brazil, you make your way to Colombia through the Darien Gap, through Central America, up through Mexico and to the border. And so the question is, why are you taking that, that uh, that route to the United States. Do you have help? Do you have assistance? And there's other reasons uh, to be concerned about that. So we've seen about 70,000 of those individuals uh, at least apprehended at the border. And, and again, that's not the known gotaways uh, that, we, that we don't apprehend. And you have to wonder who makes up that flow of gotaways. And it's pro probably, again, special interest aliens, known or suspected terrorists and other public safety threats. Mm. Scary stuff. Mr. Secretary, I want to ask you about this report out from House Homeland regarding the CBP-1 app, because since its inception, I mean, to, to me, it doesn't seem like it, does, it was ever intended to, to verify or vet. It is merely a concierge service. Um, I, I don't know if in their heart of hearts, the Biden administration thinks that this is how it's supposed to work. Shouldn't we be scrapping the CBP-1 app and going back to traditional methods of admittance and vetting and all of the processes and steps that need to take place? Well, I liked your description, Amanda. It's a concierge service that any illegal alien anywhere in the world basically uh, signs up for the app. And you've got a 96 percent chance of being released into the uh, American interior, into American communities. That is the that is the approval rate. Ninety six percent are qualifying for parole under the CBP one app. That is an abuse of the parole authority is supposed to be on a case by case basis. It is anything but when you're enrolling and you're paroling over 200,000 individuals into the country. Um, so it's clearly an abuse. It's clearly unlawful. I think that's why the committee put it out. Uh, we've talked about this at AFPI quite extensively. The number of laws uh, that the Biden administration is breaking, re-imaging, re-imagining, I should say, uh, the immigration system. And it's not for the betterment of American people. You're exactly right. We need, actually need to be understanding who's coming in. They need to come in through legal means, legal pathways, not what the Biden administration would want you to believe. And we need to be, make sure that they're vetted. And we, know, we need to know where they're going at the end of the day. We got another good one after this. Art Del Cueto, the number two official in the Border Patrol Agency Union. He's going to follow up on what Secretary Wolf just told you, give you a little bit more detail from the Border Patrol agents' perspective of the dangers that we're witnessing at the southern border of the United States right now. I'll have that right after these messages. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Bite. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. 
Welcome back, everybody. Newly minted House Speaker Mike Johnson has a lot of issues to start tackling, from working with his colleagues to hopefully avoid a government shutdown in the next 20 days, to working with Homeland Security officials to convince Democrats somehow to strengthen our U.S. border security. And according to U.S. Border Patrol Chief Jason Owens, this calendar year, agents along the border have arrested more than 47 subjects per day with serious criminal histories. Art Del Cueto is an active member of our Border Patrol and serves as the vice president of the National Border Patrol Council. Art, it's a great pleasure to have you back, even if the reason uh, is not great. Right. Thank you for having me, though. Um, Art, there are a number of messages that the Biden administration started broadcasting to uh, the Northern Triangle, anyone who was trying to come to the United States, even before he took office. Um, And uh, one of those messages pertains to what happens to them as they are processed at the border and what happens after that with respect to the address that they have to give any type of contact in the interior of the country. You were just giving us an incredible anecdote that I think tells of uh, another message that that Biden has has uh, broadcasted. Can you tell us about that? No, definitely. And I witnessed it firsthand. And I can tell you, it's, it's very frustrating to see the, the faces of the of, of the individuals that are protecting our nation's borders. And, you know, just the the actual morale is in the dumps. When you're seeing individuals that are coming into the United States for the first time, supposedly, and they already know what information is going to be asked, whether they each are carrying in their pockets a piece of paper that gives the address of where they're going, the phone number of who to contact where they're going and the relationship to them, because they already know that that is what's being asked of them in immigration. You fill it out in the form, they know they're going going to get released. They know the message has been out for quite some time. When you catch a group and you see a group of 400 plus individuals and every single one of them has that piece of paper, what is that? I, I it's, it's frustrating. I used to be angry. Now, honestly, I'm at a loss for words. My heart is broken that we have individuals in leadership position that absolutely do not care about American lives, do not care about the security of our country and do not care about the future of this country. It is extremely heartbreaking to see that. Uh, it's, it really is, Art. And I know the men and women of the Border Patrol don't stop doing their job, even in spite of all the hardships that uh, Washington has imposed. There seems to be a systemization now of this trafficking, that the the migrants coming in know, drop your passport at the border if you don't want your identity to be known. Uh, uh, Here's the contact. Here's the lawyer. Here's the the people you contact to get help once you get in the country. Is there just a giant human trafficking operation that's being funded by NGOs and in some cases the government? Well, look, when you start looking at how much money the cartels themselves spent and how much the immigration, the uh, illegal uh, immigrant uh, entities would spend on bringing individuals here. So the human smugglings, right? Uh, the way they would spend money, the what they would charge, they would have to transport them throughout different parts of the country. They would have to hide them in stash houses. That's why you're seeing that the amount of stash houses go down now, because they realize all they need to do is continue to charge the same amount because they're going through their territories have them turn themselves over to Border Patrol. And at the end of the day, the NGOs and our government will take care of the transport. You see these individuals in the airports. There's so many individuals that are being transported through different parts of the country. And and, and listen, but again, firsthand, I'm seeing how they're just laughing at our immigration laws. They're laughing at our security. And at the same time, when you look at the documents and you look at the papers, they're going to places like Kentucky, New York, uh, you know, Maryland, they're going all over the United States. They're not just staying in the southern border. They're not just, you know, focusing on one area. They're going everywhere. Uh, and they realize that right now during this administration, it is a free pass to do whatever you want. And then on a side note, while agents are processing those individuals, you have gotaways that are coming through that their criminal background is even more horrific because they wouldn't even qualify just to ask for asylum. Mm. Art, what's been incredible to see is the evolution of the border crisis, because it's it's no longer an issue of, you know, economy or people you know illegally coming across the border and stealing access to our nation. It is now an issue of importing crime and terrorism. And we know about the numbers as far as people being lost in the interior of the country, not only special interest aliens, but people who are actually on that terror watch list. Has there been, to your knowledge, any coordination between the federal government, Secretary Mayorkas, your men and women, uh, Border Patrol, as far as locating those people of interest who could perpetrate something that we've seen elsewhere on U.S. soil? 
so the people that come through at the point that they get, uh, you know, uh, vetted right away and you can see that they're on the watch list, those individuals are obviously detained. You know, FBI takes over. They, they, they would look at their record and figure out what, you know, how to send them back to their country. But, yeah, you, the problem is the, the gotaways. You don't know who they are. As I said, it's so easy to come in, ask for asylum, get released. Can you just imagine how bad the, the criminal record is or the intentions of those that are going that extra mile to try to get away to come inside? And at the same time, if you, if you apprehend a group of, let's say, 50, we'll go low, a group of 50 individuals, they're all from the same village, from the same towns, they've been traveling together for months, they went through Ecuador, through South America, through Central America, through Mexico, months of being together. And then finally they get apprehended at the southern border, and if out of those 50, two of them are on the terrorist most watch list, it is completely ignorant to believe that the other 48 in the group should not be looked at thoroughly and not be released in the United States. Yeah, such a yeah. good point. Um, our, on this show last night, the former intelligence chief of the FBI, Kevin Brock, said, listen, there are too many special interest military age men coming into the country right now from uh, areas that we know are sponsors of terrorism. We may not have any other information, but... It looks concerted. If I'm an intelligence analyst, I want to know who they are, what's going on. We should be concerned about it. And then a few days before that, the San Diego sector put out a bolo uh, or be on the lookout for potential Hamas uh, militants looking to cross the border to carry out attacks here. Those two are big red flags. Can you tell us how much concern there is that uh, there may be some form of terror operations going on at the border? So I've been concerned from day one of this yes. administration that, you know, opened up the borders and said, come one, come all, to be honest. And, and let's be let's be true. Look, these individuals that are coming across, they're not going to come across with a sign. They're not going to come up with a T-shirt that says, hey, I'm here to do you harm. These individuals, you know, they intermingle with the rest of the group. And if they've never come to the United States, if it's their first entry and they've never, you know, they don't have anything on their database that we can check. They're getting released. So concerning, yes, of the groups that are coming, concerning of the countries that they're being apprehended from. But what people should be focusing on and questioning even more so is why are they getting released? So that's where the concern is that, hey, if they come, there's nothing through the vetting process that shows that they have any criminal history and they're not on a watch list. They get released in the United States. And that is the concern. And way too many individuals have been released already. Mm. Wow. Art, I wanted to ask you about some of the measures that states have taken to protect their own borders. And obviously, there's only one state uh, led by a Republican governor that has a physical land uh, border with Mexico. Um, Texas House has approved funding for a border wall for Texas, uh, making it a state crime to enter the state illegally. Success rate on that. Well, you know, I think it brings, uh, you know, more light to the problem and it shows that there's individuals that are, are in leadership position that still care to fix it and still care to do something about it. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I live in a state where right now it, it leads the country in gotaways. You get uh, continuous entries into here. It's more rigorous terrain. A lot of the agents that are working in, in the Arizona area, they have to travel almost two hours to get to a processing center. But uh, we have leadership here that just uh, turning a blind eye and doing nothing about it. So, you know, I think that's where the problem is. Uh, hats off to Texas, honestly, because, you know, they're taking care of their own citizens there in, in the state of Texas. But uh, unfortunately, you're going to see a lot of these uh, criminal elements are going to start moving to other areas. And at the end, they still want to bring individuals into the United States, knowing full well that they're going all over the, uh, the United States and not just staying on border states. And then you look at the, at the budget, you know, where they say, hey, uh, uh, President Biden wanted to bring more people to process. And, and that's part of the problem. Look, if you just bring more processing centers and you bring more individuals to process, what are you doing? You're just opening up the invitation even more so for people to come into the country illegally. Folks, they go anywhere. When we come back, Waleed Ferris, one of the most cogent voices in the security space. He has a lot to say about Israel, Iran, and of course, our southern border. We'll have that right after these messages. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back, America. Our next guest, he's a, a former national security advisor to many Republican presidential candidates over the year, including former President Donald Trump, and also the author of a must-read book, Iran, an Imperialist Republic in U.S. Policy. He joins us right now, Dr. Waleed Ferris. Doctor, good to have you back on. Thank you for having me. Great to see you both. We, we are honored to have you on. You were so prescient in calling out what we're really living in right now. You saw the Israeli conflict and Iran's move towards that. You've also been worried about that southern border and the idea that Hamas, Hezbollah could use it to, uh, to inflict harm in America. When you see that CPB warning today, what are your thoughts? Well, I have worse news, actually, uh, hopefully not. But reality is that uh, Hamas, uh, other jihadists, Hezbollah, uh, the groups linked to the Iran regime, Ba'athists, have been crossing that border not just for days or months, for years. Yeah. Same way as we have seen this operation taking place between Gaza and Israel. This was not an overnight operation. It has been you know, organized for months, maybe years. Same goes here in our backyard. Crossing the Rio Grande has been a strategy. And a strategy that is not secret. I remember vividly on Al Jazeera when... Uh, the head, spiritual head, who now has passed, of the Muslim Brotherhood, actually speaking about the necessity of militants, jihadi militants, to cross into the United States and to become an arm that would change things inside the United States. So the, this last report only adds to what we uh, analysts have been seeing for a while. Yeah, that is true. And you've been warning for a while. Well, yeah, wow. yeah, you have. And, and Dr. Ferris, I know you, you had tweeted about that U.S. base. Uh, in Syria. And I think that for the, the concern for folks like you who are so deeply knowledgeable about this is that, um, you know, you have these proxy groups all over the region that because of this, you know, we're talking about Hamas and Hezbollah and, and Iran as, as the head of the snake. But there are all of these proxy groups across the Middle East that can be activated or are being activated. Are being activated right now as we speak. I mean, yes, you're right. Yeah. I just posted it a couple of minutes ago. Uh, the Iranian militias in Iraq and Syria, controlled by Iran, 100%, by the Pasdaran group, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard, and by the Quds Force, remember, remember what uh, mm -hmm. when we clashed in Syria and Iraq uh, in 2020, and uh, the head of the Quds Force, Soleimani, was eliminated. That's the same network. They are now attacking our bases, hoping that we would withdraw from both eastern Syria, western Iraq, at the time that our task forces are in the eastern Mediterranean. They are on the offensive. So in that same tweet, I suggested, I'm just an outside advisor now, that the Pentagon, the U.S. in general, should shut down the Iraqi-Syrian border. It's just 150 kilometers or maybe 200 kilometers between the last Kurdish point in the north and the first position in Tanf with the Arab-Sunni pro-Americans. All we have to do is to shut down that border so the militias cannot travel from Iran, Iraq into Syria Lebanon, Hezbollah, and the Golan Heights. But I don't know what the, these advisors, the Iran advisors at the Pentagon are recommending. I'm not sure they are recommending that we take action against the people with whom they work with or talk to in the Iran regime. It's very, very disturbing what I see. Yeah, hmm. it is disturbing. So I want to ask a little bit about if we were to go back to 1941 and right after Pearl Harbor, someone suggested to the United States, hey, let's have a ceasefire or wait, don't don't attack Japan. Let's uh, send some uh, human humanitarian aid over. We would have uh, uh, real, well, we would have said something pretty rude back to them. But that's exactly what's going on now. The Biden administration, yes. Democrats trying to tell Israel not to do what I think uh, the military security best interest of the country is. How silly do we look to the rest of the world with some of this appeasement language we've been giving Israel the last few weeks? John, I am su not surprised. I am, um, I am uh, interested in how you made that statement because that's exactly the tenor of a tweet I issued yesterday at ah. night and ah. I referred to uh, World War II. What was the first action decided by the U.S. government when, how, after Hawaii was attacked 
Pearl Harbor. Of course, we were mobilizing to uh, take back the Pacific. The first action was the famous Doolittle raid on Tokyo. That's it right. didn't do much. There was a bunch of F4, uh, of B-17s who were launched from a uh, from an aircraft carrier and hit Tokyo. Why? Just to let them know that you are you can be hit by us. So now Israelis or Americans need to consider probably if these attacks continue, both from Gaza, but certainly in eastern Syria and western Iraq, that Iran must feel, must understand that the U.S. and Israel can reach deep inside Iran. Yeah. Very important. Dr. Ferris, I want to dig in on some of that appeasement language that John has spoken about, because when when I hear the term two state solution, um, a lot of people, I think, have different different definitions of it. But to me, at its at its most fundamental core, it seems like it's just a euphemism for no peace, no recognition of Israel and no negotiation. Am I wrong? Am I, I maybe I'm way off? My friend, that was for last year. I would have loved to discuss it last year. You know what they are chanting now here in New York, in San Francisco, in London and elsewhere from the river to the sea. In the past years, that was a slogan chanted by the far extreme jihadist left, meaning no Israel. (laughs) The river is the Jordan River and the sea is the Mediterranean. They don't want an Israel to start with. So when they chant at NYU or at Berkeley, from the river to the sea, it means the complete destruction, the dismantlement of the state of Israel. They're way out there at this point. Yeah, it's just stunning to hear it. It is. How did we get this far? We got about a minute left, sir. Uh, it seems like over the last decade, there was a concerted effort to influence our young people against Israel and toward Hamas or toward Palestine, toward other uh, enemies of the United States. How did we get there? John, this is a systematic campaign I had the luck maybe to be able to observe this. I was a professor since the early 90s after I immigrated here. And already in the 90s, associations of Middle Eastern studies, uh, associations that deals with political science, partially funded by all producing regimes, including at the time the Ba'athist and the, the Muslim Brotherhood, have been funding Middle East studies programs across the United States. Oh. And it was generation after generation that this radical view of the Middle East and of international relations has been producing those generations and generations of youth, some of which now are serving in our bureaucracy. Folks, we're going to come back in a second, right after these commercial break, and have a great conversation with the man who represents those IRS whistleblowers, Tristan Levitt of the Empower Oversight Whistleblower Center, up next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. He serves as the president of the Empower Oversight Whistleblower Center, and he helps represent those two amazing IRS whistleblowers. He's our good friend, Tristan Levitt, and he joins us right now. Tristan, great to have you back on the show. Thanks. Happy to be here. Uh, There's been some interesting moments. The Brady testimony gets released by House Judiciary Committee, and you find out that Jamie Raskin and the Democrats were giving us a few lies. But I think the bigger story is the very reluctance, resistance, foot-dragging that Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler testified to, the Democrats tried to destroy the credibility over. It's now confirmed by a U.S. attorney. The U.S. attorney, Brady, from Pittsburgh said, you're darn right the FBI didn't want to investigate. They were dragging their feet, and so was Delaware uh, U.S. attorney David Weiss's office. How important is it that a federal prosecutor comes out and really vouches for exactly what the IRS whistleblower said? Well, it's definitely significant. And, you know, we knew that it was only a matter of time until the facts would come out on all of this. And so, you know, unlike some of the 
other information that um, the IRS whistleblowers have testified about where they only had limited insight because it was about the interactions between David Weiss and other you know, federal prosecutors, other offices. In this instance, this is something that they saw firsthand, the resistance from the FBI, the resistance from Assistant U.S. Attorney Leslie Wolf in Delaware. And so you know, this is at the heart of their knowledge, and U.S. Attorney Brady definitely backed that up and, and highlighted how, how unwilling they were to hear this information about Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. Tristan, there there are waves of information coming out about the entire Biden family conglomerate, all of their business dealings. And every time a new batch of information comes out, there are new refutations like the one that John cited from Jamie Raskin, but also from the Biden administration. And I know that a few weeks ago there was another batch of information. I think it was 700 pages or so coming from those two IRS whistleblowers to the chair of House Ways and Means, Jason Smith. Uh, phone communications, email communications, other documents and materials. Can you give us just some of the highlights of what was contained within? Absolutely. So a, a large number of the new documents came from IRS whistleblower Joseph Ziegler. He did not provide any documents when he first testified before the committee, whereas uh, our client uh, Gary Shapley did. So uh, Ziegler's documents include a whole tranche on the underlying financial issues in Hunter Biden's case. Um, that that highlight why why the Ukraine Burisma income was so significant in those 2014 2015 years. Uh, there's a whole other section that highlights you know things like Hunter Biden writing to Chinese executives about being able to receive you know millions of dollars just for introductions alone and emails like that. Uh, Ziegler's affidavit makes clear or what alarmed investigators because it was clear that there was no good there's no value being brought here. This was just pure and simple payments for, you know, getting him to the right to, for, you know, for for influence. These were influence payments. Um, also included in there were some of this initial documentation about Leslie Wolf being forced by the principal deputy attorney general's office to take this briefing on the 1023 with the Biden bribery allegations. And uh, Gary Shapley's affidavit discussed that and talked about the significance of them being unwilling to receive this because of course even after being briefed on these bribery allegations it's just six weeks later that leslie wolf is telling investigators they can't ask about you know the big guy or 10 held by h or anything like that because there's no specific level of criminality to that questioning no line of criminality and so it's clear that leslie wolf was doing everything she could to run interference on this case for the biden's and and, you know, again, together with the information from U.S. Attorney Brady, it's really disheartening to see how unwilling they were to look at the facts there. Yeah, it really is. Um, it's also disheartening to think that when the whistleblowers first came out, there were all these storylines about uh, from Democrats and defenders of the Biden saying, oh, these guys aren't credible. They're partisan. Oh, there was no effort to turn down these prosecutions in Washington and L.A., blah, 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 blah. Now you've got two U.S. attorneys in Los Angeles in Washington, D.C. confirmed. Yeah, we, we refuse to partner with uh, David Weiss, just like the IRS whistleblower said. The money checks out. The James Biden interview comes out. It confirms what these agents have said. The danger of what the Democrats did early on, uh, trying to destroy the credibility of these agents, even though the evidence actually was there and now we know it's corroborated, what message does that send to other whistleblowers who might be sitting with information about wrongdoing and considering coming forward? Uh, do they want to get this rubber hose treatment too? Well, I think there's two things to take away from it. And one of those certainly is that other potential whistleblowers are going to be intimidated, are going to be chilled from coming forward if they see that there's not a willing audience to hear out the allegations, that they're going to be jumped on, they're going to be prejudged before the information facts even come out. So why would anyone, what incentive would they have to come forward with new information? The second thing that I think is important to recognize, though, is that those that have been critics of the IRS whistleblowers keep shifting their ground. They keep moving the goalposts, right? So before it was, how would you know anything about uh, California, about the DC declinations? This is all bunk, right? Well, once that information comes out and it's clear that these were, these US attorneys did decline to partner, it's well, but they didn't stop US attorney Weiss from coming. So I, I think you see this in a lot of these instances where if you go back and read the initial criticisms, it's a whole bunch of 
this, right? Huge amounts of, uh, of denial. And then when you get down to it, it's these small grounds that people are arguing on now, but it hasn't changed, you know, the mainstream media's approach still to not take it very seriously. And so I think it's important for those who have been paying attention to keep track of what people said at the outset and say, no, no, no. You said before that California and D.C., you know, never even that Weiss never even went to those places. There's no evidence of that. You said before. Now that it's out there, you can't just scale it down to. Yeah, but. So I think that's an important thing for future whistleblowers to know that people are keeping track. People are paying attention because that's what will encourage them more than anything else. That's a great point. Excellent point. Tristan, throughout this entire saga, we've talked about how the the action of revoking security clearances has seemed like a, a tool of punishment by the FBI. And back in May, when you had those three whistleblowers up on Capitol Hill, I, know, I think it was Marcus Allen and Steve Friend and then Gloss, who also uh, had their security clearance revoked. I don't remember if that was permanent or not, but what's the status of Marcus Allen's security clearance? So just just recently, I filed um, an appeal on his security clearance. We had earlier in the spring before this hearing, when I testified with them, we had filed an appeal with the Department of Justice Inspector General, which hears the retaliation cases on on uh, security clearances. But the FBI has its own process. So we needed to respond to that and have filed that. They've proposed to revoke his clearance. Right before this hearing, they released information that he'd never even heard of. He'd never had the chance to rebut. And they leaked it to the press. Someone leaked it to the press. And so this document was our first chance to rebut that, to say these allegations are totally misunderstood. This new information, it's not accurate. And so uh, that that filing this week, which Empower Oversight released on its website, empoweroversight.org, shows how this move to take his clearance was purely in retaliation for him making a disclosure about uh, FBI director Chris Wray testifying on the Hill, leaving the impression that there were no FBI informants there on January 6th, when we now know that's clearly inaccurate. There were informants there. There were a lot of them. And in fact, someone testified before the House Judiciary Committee recently that there were so many, the FBI had to do an audit to keep track after the fact of all those who had been there. And so for Marcus Allen to have been, had his clearance stripped of him just for raising this issue is really outrageous. All right, folks, that wraps up our Sunday edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. A big thank you for Chairman Brian Stile, from Waleed Ferris, Secretary Chad Wolf, Art Del Cueto from the Border Patrol Union, and of course, Tristan Levitt, a man on the front lines of the whistleblowers highlighting so much wrongdoing in our government. What a great edition. Hope you enjoyed it. Enjoy the rest of this beautiful fall weekend, the last weekend in October 2023. We'll be back Monday with regular programming. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.